All right, are you ready for God's word? Amen, amen. Well, we are on week two of our journey talking about praise, this series called Holy Roar. And so right off the bat, we're going to go to God's word. I'm going to invite you to stand one more time in honor of reading God's word. And we're going to read from Psalm 100, such a wonderful psalm of praise. So church, I just invite you to follow along on the screen with me this morning. Hear the word of our Lord. Shout with joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever. And his faithfulness continues to each generation. Is that the end? That was the end. I thought I was waiting for one more verse. Can we read verse 5 again? Thank you, Shannon. And church, I want you to read verse 5 out loud with me. Are you ready? Let's read this together. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever. And his faithfulness continues to each generation. The word of our Lord. Amen? You can be seated. So thankful for the book of Psalms and the gift that it gives us, giving us language as we lift up praises to the Lord. Let's talk about where we started last week. If you were here, we talked about the impact of praise. We looked at a story from 2 Chronicles, really a pretty amazing story from from chapter 20. And if you remember, it was this story where King Jehoshaphat was leading the people of Judah. He found out that there were three surrounding nations coming to attack him. And in his fear and anxiety, he called the people together to fast. And what we noticed in the story is that all throughout the story, praise was a part of their process. Do you remember that? That before they asked for anything... In the midst of their fear, they worshiped, right? And then as they were making requests to the Lord for his provision and safety, they worshiped. And then again, before God had done anything, they worshiped. They consistently were lifting praises up to the Lord throughout their whole journey. And then we saw this really crazy thing where without even having to fight tangible battles, the enemy was killed all because of their worship. And we're reminded today, church, that worship is warfare. When we lift up praises to the Lord in the spiritual realm, our worship is fighting battles. We talked about how in our own lives, the moment we turn on music that is celebrating our Lord, our whole day can turn around. Even if it doesn't turn our whole day around, it 
meets us in our grief and our sorrow and is our comfort. Can you testify to that today? Amen? Praising our Lord does something. We talked about how it builds our faith and postures our heart to receive the peace of God. So we're going on this journey over the next few weeks where we're going to be looking at some Hebrew words that are really important when we talk about this concept of praise. I want to give a side note before we continue on. I'm going to be using the word worship a lot. And I want to be really clear what I mean by that. Because there's a real sense scripturally that we can make a really good argument, an accurate argument, that everything we do is worship, right? Living, breathing, walking, working, all of it is an act of worship to our Lord. But there's also a lot of teaching about the specific act of praise in Scripture. And so throughout this series, when I use the word worship, that's what I'm referring to. I'm referring to those tangible, intentional expressions of praise. Deal? All right, perfect. So, let's be anchored to this. Worship has always been central for the people of God. It's always been a part of who the people of God are. Think about the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms was like the hymnal for the people of God. It was an entire book, the largest book of the Bible, devoted to the praises of the people of God. And so because of that, we know that this act of lifting up praises is a central feature of what it means to be a follower of God. So our hope through this series is that we might be anchored in our praises to Scripture and that we might eliminate this temptation. Because I think there's a temptation when we look at different churches in our culture to think that enthusiastic worship is just a modern charismatic movement, that it's just a thing of the modern church and it hasn't been a part of God's people. But I think actually what we'll see is that worship and enthusiastic worship is an ancient part of the people of God. And so our hope is that we might be anchored to Scripture and that Scripture might be what compels us in our acts of praise. I wonder, church, if we miss out on the fullness of worship when we limit ourselves. I'm going to give credit to a book. If you want to follow along as we go on this journey, there's a book called Holy Roar. It's written by none other than Chris Tomlin, who likes some Chris Tomlin in here. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got some fans. Okay. Chris Tomlin and Pastor Darren Whitehead wrote this book, and so I give a lot of credit to them. If you want to follow along, grab that book and read it as we go. So let's talk about the Psalms again briefly before we begin to read from the book of Psalms. Like I said, it's like a, a hymnal for the people of God. It was the praises of the people of God. And what I love about the Psalms is it shows us the spectrum of worship. It shows us the spectrum, really, of human emotion. We see rejoicing. We see grieving. We see lamenting. 
We see dancing, church. We see celebration. We see repenting. We see petitioning. And the list goes on and on and on. The psalmist really paints a picture of the fullness of praise. And within the Psalms, we see seven Hebrew words that are really important. And there are seven Hebrew words that describe how the people of God worshipped and how we are invited to do so today. So let me give you a little illustration to help us understand this concept. Perhaps you've heard in the past, a pastor maybe do a sermon series on the different Greek words for love. Does that ring a bell? There's agape love, there's, and there's other kinds. I didn't write them all down in my notes because I wasn't thinking. But there are four different words for love. And really, that's quite genius of the Greek language because think of it this way. I really love sushi. But it's quite an insult for me to also say I love Mark Hall. Because my love for sushi is very different than my love for Mark Hall, amen? As it should be. And so this similar thing has happened with the word praise in Hebrew. There are seven words in the Hebrew language that we often translate into the word praise. So can you imagine how much depth and beauty is lost in that translation process? So that is our goal over the next few weeks, is to look at these words and try to learn a greater picture of this call to be a people of praise and what that might look like. So if you're ready to dive in, you're ready for your Hebrew lesson today, say, I'm ready. I think you're ready. Okay. Our first word, my friends, is yada. Can you say that? Yada. And this is the hands of praise. That's what I'm calling it, the hands of praise. And it means this, to revere or worship with extended hands, to hold out the hands, to throw a stone or an arrow, to revere or worship with extended hands. Yada. The hands of praise. This word alone, Yudah, is used 111 times in the Old Testament. Did you catch that? 111 times in the Old Testament. That's a lot of times. Let me read an example of where it's used. This is Psalm 67, verse 3. You can follow along with me on the screen. It says, may the nations yada you, O God. Yes, may all the nations yada you. So right embedded in that is this call that all the nations, all the peoples might extend their hands in awe and worship and adoration of you. I love the context around this verse. The psalmist in this verse is, is marveling at God's involvement in the world. If you read the surrounding verses, the psalmist is rejoicing because of provision. Rejoicing because of justice, the mighty acts of our Lord. 
This recognition of the greatness of God compels the people of God to a full body response. And it's this picture of shooting up the hands in adoration as if one were throwing a stone. So I don't know if you're like me, but if, have you ever been in a moment of worship where you've just got this urge and it's like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I think that's Yadah. That is your body wanting to extend the hands in awe and glory of our God. That is Yadah. So the hands of praise are a physical act of awe and adoration. I would ask you, is there any more natural expression of excitement, of wonder, of awe than raising your hands? Think about it. Your team wins the touchdown. What do you do? <sighs> when Collins Danielle Hall takes her first steps, what will I do? <sighs> and cry, probably, right? When you get the promotion you've been waiting for, When you ace a test, it's like it's this natural, almost primal instinct in our very nature to raise our hands in awe, in wonder, in excitement, in joy. And the Hebrew people really model this for us in their praise. I love that. And really, our hope, church, is just to normalize these instincts to worship the Lord. I think they're there for a reason. I think perhaps we were designed this way. Let's look at a, another example where the word yada is used. And it's another place where the people are overcome by the glory of God. This is Psalm 145, verse 10. It says this, all your works, yadah, you Lord, your faithful people extol you. And another example, this is Psalm 44, verse 8. In God, we make our boast all day long, and we will yadah your name forever. Again, the psalmist illustrating the people of God shooting their hands to the heavens in awe and adoration. This idea of Yadah isn't constrained to one time in history. The psalmist paints this picture of the people of God who will Yadah for all eternity around the throne in heaven. Every nation, every tribe, every tongue with hands extended. Holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who was and is and is to come. Amen? And so church, one day we will, Yadah, our God forever and ever. Shouldn't we start practicing now? Shouldn't we live into that eternal design right now. Yada is an active posture of praise expressed by those who adore God. So let me, let me just say out loud this too. 
please know, as we go through this series, there is no intent of like guilt tripping you into worship, like into, it's not what we're doing. But 100%, we want to release everyone from any cultural bindings or misconceptions or fears and just let scripture compel us to freely worship however the Lord might lead us. Just that in this space, there would be complete freedom and that it would be totally normal for people to be expressing themselves with their whole body as they worship. I can still remember vividly the first time I gave into my natural instinct to, wor- to lift my hands in worship. And I remember I was in a room where not another soul was doing the same. And the moment I finally gave in, I just wept because I felt so right like this. As I was singing praises, it's like the chains fell off and I was no longer worried about what people thought. It was just me adoring the king. And it was a great feeling. And I think it was that moment that I fell in love with worship. Yada, the hands of praise. Are you ready for the second word? Okay, church, listen. The second word, I need your help. And you got to come through for me. I know I'm new. I know. But I need you. Okay? You ready? You ready? Okay, I want you to close your eyes. Think for a moment. Imagine with me. You're at a hogs game. Okay? If you don't care about the hogs, pick another team. It's like the SEC championship. And they are one touchdown away from winning it all. There are seconds on the clock. They need one miraculous touchdown to win the game. Now, on the count of three, don't you hold back. You will ruin my whole sermon illustration. Now, on the count of three, I want you to show me with your whole body... Mark Hall, you better be running circles. On the count of three, I want you to show me what you do when they score the winning touchdown. Y'all, don't disappoint me. Ready? Here we go. Hogs about to win the SEC championship. One, two, three. Yeah. Somebody get that on camera. Yes. I am so proud. I'm just... Church, let me introduce you to the fools of praise. I'm not kidding. That's our next word, the fools of praise. Man, if you bought into that, I want to hug you after church. I'm just so proud. The fools of praise. This Hebrew word is halal. Say that with me. Halal. The fools of praise. And it literally means to boast, to rave, to shine, to celebrate, to be clamorously foolish. I do believe y'all know how to do that because I just witnessed it. 
There's a word for this, church. It's called halal. Look at Psalm 149, verse 3 with me, where this word is used. Let them halal his name with, what's that word? No way, Lord. No, 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 no. That's for those other churches. No, it says, let them halal his name with dancing and make music to him with timbrel and harp. Or we might say, with electric guitar and bass drum, can I get an amen? Okay. This word halal is meant to be this exuberant expression of celebration. A word that connotes boasting, raving, or celebrating. This notion of acting clamorously foolish. Laying aside your inhibitions and killing your self-consciousness. Now let me say this. There is 100% church a place in Christian worship for stoic reflection. 100%. You will watch me walk us into those seasons as well. But there is also... 100% a place in Christian worship for praise that melts your face off because it's so great. Let me tell you something about this word halal. This word halal is in fact the primary Hebrew word for praise. It's the most frequently used word in the Old Testament that we translate into the word praise. And it's where we get our word Hallelujah. So it's an important word for praise. This word for celebration and for full body investment in worship. Church is the most common word used in the Old Testament that we translate into praise. And as a pastor, when I hear that, I'm like, man, there is a part of our worship gatherings that should feel like a straight party. Church should be fun. We should be enjoying ourselves as we are caught up in the praise of our God. Let's read some other verses where this word halal is used. Go with me to Psalm 69, verse 30, another place, and it says this. Then I will halal God's name with singing, and I will honor him with thanksgiving. Let's read Psalm 22, verse 22. It says this, I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will halal you. And then again, in Psalm 109, verse 30, it says this, With my mouth, I will greatly extol the Lord. In the great throng of worshipers, I will halal him. Doesn't that sound like our church gatherings? In the midst of all the worshipers, I will halal him. You see, the Psalms were intended to be used in corporate gatherings. So if we got back to our, go back to our first passage that we talked about and imagine this picture, Psalm 149, verse 3. It says, let them halal his name with dancing and make music to him with timbrel and harp. 
I think that psalm gives us a glimpse into what some of our time together as the people of God should look like. Now, I don't expect anybody to start like line dancing or getting jiggy with it during worship, but you will 100% see me moving. You know what I mean? And we welcome that. Letting your full body invest in the praises of our Lord. I want to read this quote from the book Holy Roar. It was meaningful to me as I read that book. It says this, Imagine the Hebrew people gathered together. There, tens of thousands of Levites and musicians faced the Israelites, and together they formed a sort of praise pit. Now, I sense some of you in another life were concert goers. Praise pit, mosh pit, I don't know. The Levites and musicians played, and as their songs rose, a combustible energy built and built and built until some spark of God ignited the praises of the people. It goes on to say, In that moment, the worshipers began to shout, laugh, and dance. They jumped around, hands raised. To the outside observer, they might have appeared drunk or foolish. But they were most sober in their celebration of God. They were incarnating halal. I love that. Can you picture it? Let me say it again. There's 100% a place for somber. There's 100% a place for quiet. A place for lament. A place to be on your knees. And we're going to talk about all of those spectrums of expression. But also, there is a place for loud, joyful celebration. So important is this term halal that it actually concludes the entire book of praise, which is the book of Psalms. So I want to read to you the very last book of the book of Psalms. This is Psalm 150, verse 6. Church, would you read this aloud with me? And we'll say praise, not the Hebrew word. We'll go the easy route. But let's read this out loud. Ready? Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let everything that has breath be clamorously foolish in the name of our Lord. Amen? The fools of praise. So today, from two Hebrew words, we've seen the posture of extended hands in adoration, in awe, in wonder. This is often my posture when we sing holy, holy, holy. And then we've also talked about the full body exuberance in praise to God. And that's what I do when I sing, I ran out of that grave. Amen? So church, God deserves our reverence. God deserves our awe. And God deserves our celebration. Amen? So you're Hebrew experts now. You know two whole words. 
I'm going to invite the worship team to come join me on stage this morning. You know, the God of the universe made us to praise him. And I really think that he designed us to the very core of our being to do so with abandon, like foolish but fun-loving children. Sometimes I wonder if God looks down on our churches at times, if he sees our dignified, carefully orchestrated worship experiences and just wishes we'd cut loose. I don't know. 